Seven years ago, I had the uh, opportunity of uh, getting into a company. It was basically a startup. The uh, name was Prompt Alert. Uh, the joys of joining a startup is you got a small amount of people. Everyone does everything. Um, the good thing about that is sooner or later, you kind of figure out what you like, what you don't like doing. Um, and as the years progressed, the team grew, and uh, by God's grace, I had the opportunity of entering into a leadership role uh, in management. And I remember explicitly telling my boss, you know, thanks for the opportunity, but never done this before, you know? And I need someone to coach and mentor me. I need a coach. Uh, and at that time, there was Jerry as well and, and another friend of ours who was who were kind of uh, put in a position of management. And they brought in a coach uh, externally, worked with us for three months, and he taught me the disciplines I needed. He showed me what to do and what not to do, you know, build that foundation, um, kind of show me the chip on my shoulder, you know, things that even today I remember. The world and everyone around us knows the importance of having a coach. You know, if you... If you uh, think of Brad Stevens, you know, the coach of the basketball team, the Boston Celtics. Um, I'm not much of a sports guy, but I was kind of reading up on him, and he had a contract signed for six years, $22 million, okay? So imagine we brought him in here, and he taught us how to play basketball. You know, how, what are the postures? You know, how do you look at the hoop? How do you handle the ball? How do you dribble? How do you strategize? In a week or two, I'm pretty sure we're better off than when we were before. Pretty sure. The world understands the importance of having a good coach and people with the capability of becoming really good. So it is the same in every walk of our life. You know, everyone's looking for a financial coach, a life coach, a, a fitness coach. You know, you name it, there's a coach out there for you. How much more important is it for us to be coached on how to maintain and enhance the fullness that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ? To be coached to walk the Christian life well. So we're starting a series in the next couple of weeks on Christian disciplines. And today I want you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, where we have Paul penning some very important crucial things that every Christian ought to know. Now, Paul, in the, in the letter to the Colossians, pains and exalts Christ and shows them that Christ is preeminent. There is no one like him. And as per the context in the previous chapter, in chapter 2, verse 9, he says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you... O Christian, have been brought to fullness. And we have to ask this question, how do we maintain this fullness? You know, how do we maintain that? And, and Paul in the verses in chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, coaches us on what is necessary to maintain and enhance the fullness that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's been 2,000 years since he gave this advice and in 2,000 years, the human predicament still remains the same. Here we have for us the apostolic coach for the Christian life. 
If you want to have fullness in your life, listen to the words that I have because this is my advice and my instruction is what he says. So if you want some sort of a structure to the verses, verses 1 to 2 contains the instructions he gives for keeping the fullness in our life. Verses 3 to 4 is what is the rationale behind the instruction? Why do I have to follow? What's the rationale? What defines why I have to do what you're suggesting? And so he begins with the specific instructions in verse 1. And it has to do with our actions. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, in other words, our lives are to be given to action. And our actions have to be characterized by the words, seeking the things above. That's the essential advice of maintaining fullness in the spiritual life. Now, the question we've got to ask ourselves is, what are the things about? Right? You know, is it, it's certainly not the physical, right? It's, or, or the material things about. In fact, Martin Luther, who was unhappy with some of the medieval painters had done in this respect, had said, oh, that heaven of the charlatans, And then he says, with its golden chair and Christ seated at the right side, vested in a choir cope and a golden robe, as the painters used to love to portray him. And so Luther criticizes this picture because it obscured the reality of what's being said. The things above are not primarily material. The things above, the things we're primarily to seek, are to do regarding Christ's reigning and his sovereignty, his position of power, that he is the king of the universe. And so as he reigns about, the things we ought to seek are after his character, his shalom, his peace, his joy that he gives, the victory of heaven, the holiness of heaven, his will. And these are a few of the aspects that we are to seek if we want to have this fullness in Christ. So the word used here is persisting. Seek, seek, seek. Continue seeking, never ending. How many of you, I mean, most of you probably have a a can of WD-40 at home. Do you know what the W and D stand for? Exactly. Water displacement. Now, how many of you know what 40 stands for? So, the number 40 stands for the amount of times they had to try to finally get a successful water displacement chemical substance together. So, Norm Lawson failed 39 times but succeeded on the 40th try. The message is persistence. You know, never stop seeking. Even when you're tired, even when you fail, even though you hit obstacles. In 1968, uh, the Olympic marathon Tanzanian runner, Aquari, cramped up due to the high altitude of the Mexico City. He fell badly wounding his knee and dislocated the joint 
plus his shoulder hit hard against the pavement. And he, however, continued running, finishing last among the competitors who completed the race. The winner of the marathon, I'm going to struggle pronouncing this, Mamo Wold of Ethiopia, finished in two hours and 20 minutes. A quarry finished in three hours and 25 minutes when there were only a few thousand people left in the stadium and the sun had set. And a, a, a television crew was sent out for the medal ceremony when word was received that there was one more runner about to finish. And after he finished crossing the line, a cheer came from the small amount of people left behind. And the interviewer asked him, like, why did you continue running? Why did you continue running? And he said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. Persistence. No matter how hard it is to continue to seek the things above. Now, for those of you who are parents who have a young one, and, and they can be very persistent. So if Elsa and I are having a conversation and Avia wants to get our attention, though we're speaking, she'll just be like, Daddy, 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 Daddy. And you're like, yes, <laughs> what's up? <laughs> you know, they are persistent. So that's the same concept you're looking here. When Paul says, seek the things about, means you have to pursue it, never giving up. So the persistence here is more to do with coming up with WD-40 or, or fame or, or answers. There must be a consistent seeking for the things above wherever we are, if we are in our schools, at our workplaces, if it is even with the relationships and friendships that we have. Whatever the opportunity, seek. Now, Paul's coaching here is very straightforward, right? But there's more to it. And so he recognized the fact that what we do in our actions and our acts have to do with what we set our minds on. And so he says in verse 2, set your mind on things above and not on the things on the earth. So setting of your mind on things above has to do with refusing to set your mind on things below. Now that's not an easy thing to do, not to set your mind on things below and, and around you. It's not easy. And there was the, uh, there's this Jack Benny audio program. It's a very old series that, uh, that was running, and it's a small little skits that they had. And it was called, uh, actually, I'll, I'll tell you what it's called at the end. So th this character here is, uh, is called penny-pinching Jack Benny. And here is he walking across the street. A robber comes up to him and asks, uh, your money or your life? And Benny just stands there. And the guy is like, rams the gun in and says to his ribs and says, well, your money or your life? Benny says, hey, hey, don't rush me. I'm thinking about it. You know, this is true of the modern man. What is important? Our money or our life? For many people, their money is their life. You know, there's a phrase attributed to Malcolm Forbes. He was the publisher of the Forbes magazine. And he was known as an avid promoter of capitalism and free market trade. 
and for the extravagant lifestyle that he lived. You know, spending on parties and travel and his collection of homes and yachts and aircraft and art and motorcycles, you name it, he had it. And his motto was, he who dies with the most toys wins. He who dies with the most toys wins. People really believe that. Spending their life collecting toys so that they will win. In fact, theologies today compete to rationalize wealth, success, material blessings. Prosperity gospels are sprouting everywhere. God's got it. I can have it. By faith, I'm going to get it. Even Psalm 23 has been revised. I found this excerpt online. The Lord is my banker. My credit is good. He giveth me the key to his strong box. He restoreth my faith in riches. He guided me in the path of prosperity for his namesake. We live in a consumption society. You know, people spend not because they need, but because it gives them identity. And Paul's response is that we are not to set our minds on things that are on the earth. And he even includes the material things. Setting our minds on our own self-pride or our ego, our own promotion. Now we need to know what he's not saying. He's not saying uh, there shouldn't be any concentration on these things. And now if you take it to the extreme, if you apply it uncritically without thinking, there's no life at all. He isn't saying that you don't work. He isn't saying that you don't pursue excellence. You know, if that was the case, you wouldn't have surgeons. You wouldn't have chefs. You wouldn't have scientists. You wouldn't have positions of creativity and excellence. Society wouldn't function. But there's a difference if you know Christ. There's a concentration on the things above. And you are not as fixated on the things of this earth. The things on the earth are not the overpowering all-encompassing things in life. The idea is to have your minds fixated. Um, Arun Elsa's brother has two cats. I'm not sure if any of you have, uh, have seen any YouTube videos on how cats react to laser pointers. Okay, so um, he had a laser pointer. I kid you not, I have never uh, seen something so fixated on something. And here I have with the laser pointer, and wherever the laser pointer went, the cats went. If it went up the stairs, they ran up the stairs. If it went down the stairs, it ran down the stairs. If it went on the wall, they jumped on the wall. If I pointed on the other cat, the other cat would jump on the other cat. I had a blast, and I believe they had a blast. Until my conscience, Elsa, came to me and told me I was bullying the cats. See, I I'm quite sure at the moment, if you were doing a post-mortem, on the cat's mind, and you opened it up, all you saw was a laser dot. That's all you would find. The cats were fixated on the laser pointer. Scripture says that we have to have our minds fixated on Scripture. That is the divide in the Christian life and its fullness. It is where our mind is fixed. So here's the question. What is it that you think about when you have nothing else to think about? Toronto Raptors? 
a vacation that you have planned, your yard with its weeds? You know, what is it that's on your mind? The question really is, does our time, at, at time regularly, does it run to the, to the Lord? Does it run to the things above? If it doesn't, we're in trouble spiritually. We are at risk of losing the fullness, or we have lost the fullness that we are, ought to have. Now, if we were to die right now and there was a post-mortem done on us, what would they find in our minds? A dress, a home, the latest gadgets, vacation, the games we play, YouTube. That's the question. What's your mind fixed on? Paul says this, if you want to stay full, seek the things that are about where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. And so here are four things that we can apply in our lives to get to this point. It begins with prayer. You know, if you want to have that mindset, ask for that mindset. You know, Lord, set my mind on things above. What does John 15 verse 7 say? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If my teaching, if my desires are implanted in you, if you ask for it, it will be done. If you ask for it, it will be done. Pray for it. You know, see, I believe wholeheartedly what Jesus said is true. No doubt about it. If I pray in keeping with this word, he will answer prayer. And he has answered prayers for me. I believe and I have experienced an answer keeping God. He answers prayer. And if you struggle with it, the Word of God says that the community of faith, we're called to walk together. I lack discipline, so what do I do? I have a brother here that I pray with daily. I need the community's help to help me walk in the faith, to keep the Christian walk, to seek the things that are about. And it's a blessing, and what a joy it is to see prayers answered. Secondly, after it begins with prayer, have a mindset to deliberately act. Deliberately act. You know, if we go home and we're going to be cooking, and if we plan to take a vacation, if you uh, plan to buy something, if you want to finish this home project, there's an act of will, but there has to be a plan. Am I not right? You don't just enter the kitchen and say, I'm going to cook something without knowing if the ingredients are there or if, if you don't know the utensils are there or if you don't have the time or you don't know how much you're cooking for. You don't have all the, all the measures. You need to plan. You know, Benjamin Franklin once said, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So if this is important, be deliberate. Plan how is it that you're going to seek the things about. How are you going to start praying for it? You know, I, I have this thing where 
the day before or early in the morning before the day starts, you can talk to my wife, I must have a list. I've got to be sure of what am I trying to do with this day that God has given me. I need at least three things on that list. And no matter what comes that way, my aim is to finish at least those three things. I need to have that guidance. That might be just, be, just be me, but I plan so that my day just just what just happened, you know? So plan, be deliberate in how you pursue and seek the things about. The third one is hold loosely to what we have. Hold loosely to what we have. This is no easy task. If you think about the parable of the young rich ruler who came to Jesus, he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, sell all that you have and give to the poor. And he went away sorrowful. The truth is, everyone here is the rich young ruler. Every one of us has incredible wealth. More than 70% of the world's adults, 70% of the world's adults own under $10,000 worth of assets. If you own $10,000 to $100,000, you represent 21% of the world's adults. Now, the world's wealthiest individuals, those owning over $100,000 of assets, total up to 8.6% of the world. The Economist rated Toronto in the top 10 most livable cities of 2018. We live in a country where health, wealth, freedom, education, safety, opportunity exist. I really do believe we're all like the rich, young ruler. We have all of these things available to us. We have a government that takes care for, of a lot of the needs that you might have on a daily basis. And because of all of the things, it's hard to set our minds on the things about where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. There are different ways we can hold what we have. We can hold it with the death grip, all that God has given us, or you can hold it with your hands open. You know, think of the things that are so precious to you and try this. Give it away once in a while. Regularly. Things that you find hard to give up, give some of it away. That will help you liberate yourselves. If you hoard money, all you think about is money. Give some away where it causes you a little bit of uncomfortableness. Give some of it away. If you're all about the time, your me time is so precious, you need to have the alone time, give some of it away. Give some of it away. If your shows are important, that you need to be available at that one time to watch it because it's airing, give it away. Put something else in place. So not only do you pray, not only do you be deliberate in planning, not only do you loosely hold what you have, read and obey scripture. Do this in the fullness of Christ will be perpetual and growing in our lives. You know, 
I want to give you an exercise. I'm covering verses 1 to 4 in Colossians chapter 3. But if you read from there, Paul starts going into all the aspects of application. He says, put to death. And he gives you a list of things that you put to death. And he says, put on. And he gives you a list of things to put on. Put to death sexual immorality, malice, slander, anger, lying. Embrace forgiveness, compassionate, kindness, patience. You know, here's the illustration. If you wanted to lose weight, if you wanted to go down a healthy path, what are the two things that people usually tell you you have to do to lose weight? I get a lot of answers here, but... Diet and exercise. What is diet? What are you putting in? What is exercise? What's your output? Right? Your calorie intake and your output. The same aspect, Paul here is saying as the coach, listen guys, you want to seek the things above? You've got to give up the things below too. It goes hand in hand. So, you know, it's got to go hand in hand. You, you, you know, uh, you can put on forgiveness. But if you keep holding on to sexual immorality, there's something that's got to give. You've got to do it both. Because here's the fact. We embrace this. All of humankind, we have a natural bend. And it's towards evil. It has, it's always to do what's against the Lord. And how do you get out of that rut? Habits. Discipline. Start small, even if it's, a, if it's like a five-minute prayer. Don't, don't hurt me for this, but if you can do even more than that, but just even five minutes on a daily basis, get into a habit. But God has provided us immense amount of, of, of verses that talk about what it means to seek. So go home, read uh, verses 5 all the way to the chapter 4, verses 6, and you have a list there. In fact, if you want to plan... Put that list down, put columns of dates, and ask yourself at the end of the day, did I, was I able to control myself? Did I exercise forgiveness? And see where you are. There's so many ways to tackle this. You have to create a godly character because the things of the world are so contrary to the things of God. So read God's word and obey his instructions. Now, verses 1 to 2 was the instruction that Paul gives us. Now he gives us the why in verses 3, four, three to 4. And you've got to kind of listen to me and track me here. So it is based on our past and our future history. Past and our future history. So track me. He says, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You're dead. Pointing to the specific instance of coming to know, knowing Jesus Christ, being baptized by the Spirit into his body when you died with him. It is a reality. And the result of that, your life is hidden with him at that moment. Now, the tense here is that it's hidden continually and continues to hidden, high, uh, be hidden. And it's a mystery. But if you're a believer, not only did you die in Christ and that your life is hidden in him, he's basically saying 
union with Christ produces a moral and spiritual change in the believer that can be likened only to death, burial, and resurrection. Scripture says you're a new creature. Your old is, is dead. Paul keeps on saying it. Physically, you're still here, but spiritually, we're already over there. And he repeats this over and over again, hoping for it to sink into our minds. Now the world looks at us and, and they see a difference. They ought to see a difference. And they don't know where this difference is coming from. Where is this life-changing difference coming from? And Paul is saying, the future history in verse 4, when Christ appears, your life, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. What's he saying basically? There is going to be a point where Christ is going to be revealed in all glory. And then the whole universe will look at that as because we will be raised with him. And they'll be like, that's where he got his life from. That's where the change came from. Right now it's hidden. But they see the difference. They don't know where it's coming from. But there's a point where all of this will be made absolutely clear to everyone. So Paul here, as he, as he instructs us and coaches us, he says, live in that truth. Live in that truth. And that's why I use the word of past and future history. What does he say in Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 to 21? For our citizenship is in heaven. That's right now. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Your body is going to be conformed to the body of his glory, a body like Christ's. Absolutely amazing. And to Paul, who lives in the spiritual realm and sees his past history and his future history, in his mind, his future history has, in essence, already occurred. Paul says it is so sure that we will be revealed with Christ in his glory. He's so sure that your hidden life will be seen. It is going to happen. And so he lives it at the present moment in time. This is the very reason we need to pray to God, asking him to give us a mindset a mindset to seek the things about where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and to, to, to plan to be deliberate about that and to consciously, consciously loosen the grip that we have on the things below and to fill your mind with the word of God pursuing that reality. So I want to challenge you today. This is the apostolic instruction and it works. If we do this, we will maintain the fullness we have in Christ, and it's going to affect those around us. As the joy of the life full of Christ overflows and goes out to our families, our acquaintances, the church, and the world. It's a glorious thing. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above not on things that are on the earth. Let's pray. Father, we 
thank you, O Lord, for your word that is precious to us. We thank you for your servants who walked before us, who look at us, who look at their life, and have penned down such precious words, Lord, life-giving words. And so as we, your people, look upon it, we pray, Father, would you give us minds that seek you? Would you help us set our minds on things above and not on the earth, not on things on this earth, that we would come into your presence praying, pleading for your work in our hearts. We pray, O Lord, that you would allow us to plan to be deliberate with how we seek your, your things, that we would hold loosely the things that we cherish so dear on this earthly realm. And help us, O oh Lord, to, to be in your word, to pursue all that you have us, all that you want us to do. For we pray this, O oh Lord, that you be glorified in our lives, that we may be able to live life to the fullest, and in doing so, bring you glory in all that we do. For we pray this in Jesus Christ's precious and holy name. If you can all turn to hymn 495, turn your eyes upon Jesus, hymn 495. <laughs> 